it's like waiting to have a baby, you know? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> In a sense. Um, not that you drink your baby, but it's like you, you, you create this thing. And with beer, you have to wait for it. You can't just, you know, anytime we've had any of the, the breweries, uh, the brewers from different breweries come over and podcast with us, they've always brought beer with them. But it, like like with Scott Kurtz, when he was actually brewing beer with Jeff Huck, when they when they were actually brewing beer, we couldn't immediately taste the fruits of that particular right. labor that was happening right then. You've got to wait for it to to take you know to take its course. Mm-hmm. And so we've been fortunate. Podcasting was great for us, by the way, to uh, try a lot of different craft beers. That's true. Because mm-hmm. people they, they they just enjoy it. It's such a community thing. It's just a and it's then, a relationship building thing. It's so awesome. And <laughs> yeah, it that, tastes so good. That and the fact that we decided to get someone to sponsor us that was right across the street from Urban Chestnut. Yeah. Which was also an hour away from our house. Uh-huh. So it's like you've got time to work with when you go up there. And so there was times where we'd purposely go up there. You want to go grab a beer before You're we right. before we record? <laughs> right. hey, you want to you want to go grab another beer after we record? It's like right there. I know it was awfully convenient. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I miss that place though. I miss I miss all those places. But onward and upward. The cerebral entertainment podcast. podcast. Hey, thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Before we get started, I just want to remind you to go to buyjack.com slash CEP to pick up all of your CEP network gear, including the new hoodies and coffee mugs, representing all three of the shows on our network that includes CrusherCast, Raised on the Radio, and of course, the CEP. Also, head on over to truenutrition.com for all of your nutrition and supplement needs. And when you check out, be sure to use the code CEPN for a 5% discount on your total order. And of course, you can find all this information in the show notes to this show. Now, for this episode, Colt and I bring a cerebral chat that we titled, Beer Me. During this episode, you will hear us discuss my first craft beer experiences, our favorite craft beer styles of all time, trying to get other people to try craft beer and our strategies to do so, and much more, all while we drink craft beer and discuss what it is we are drinking. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to keep those brains warm again, so without further introduction, here we go. And this is neat doing this on our own, kind of. I think it'd be a lot easier if we had a producer. Oh, yeah. We need us a, a young Jamie. But you know what comes with that? Money. Right. We don't have a whole lot of that. No. So Mm-mm. we'll, for now, make it work on our own. Yeah, that's how we're rolling. But hey, we're here. It's good to be here. Hi, people. Yeah. How's it going? So I guess to uh, kick things off, hey, everybody. Welcome back to yet another riveting edition. Another one. Of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Colt. Yes, sir. And we are here today to have a little chat, yeah, catch up and do some things. We've got a lot of great guests uh, on the horizons. We've had some good ones too since we've gotten back into the swing of things. Now mm-hmm. I know we've discussed the hiatus. I don't. I don't know if anybody's really keeping up with it or not. But we did have a hiatus. A lot of life. But you know what does kind of uh, strike me is through the hiatus there was some flourishing. Some things grew. There were some things that happened. Right. Some of those things included the blossoming of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast Network. You know? Okay. Yeah, I had no idea what you were, where you were tell. going with this. I was like, my wife's pregnant. Is that what he's talking well, about that right too, now? That too. That's had, growing. You had a little, little bit of extra time. <laughs> you had just a little bit of extra time in there to make sure that happened. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's not what I was referring to. I was referring okay. to like just the fact that you were able to put a lot of a lot of time and effort and concentration into building the network. Um, and, and so that was that was helpful. So through, you know, a hiatus like we had definitely wasn't ideal. It wasn't planned. It wasn't something that we asked for. But since it happened, it's always good to kind of see the silver lining that come about because of what was happening, mostly in my personal life. But you also had some things, too. You had the big move to the mm-hmm. new house, yeah. which also look where we're at now because of the new house, because of the time and, and the hiatus. We did have to take some hiatus there, too. Because you had some, you know, you had a lot of work to do here. Yeah. Building this podcast studio for one thing, which is amazing. And yeah, so I feel like my wife still looks down upon the fact that this was the first room that was done in the house. <laughs> but I had to make that a point. But the biggest issue with that, too, was it was in, in another room originally. And it just, it didn't, I couldn't make it work. Didn't pan out. Yeah. Like if it was just me solo and I could like, completely put you know foam stuff all over the wall completely all the walls and the ceiling and everything yeah i could probably make it work but when it's more than one person and there was like a window right beside me so like any noises outside you know i couldn't put the dog outside because if he's barking outside you're going to hear it in the recording and stuff like that so you know i'm i think this is a better choice got you and i like it there's a lot more room in here we've tested like 14 different setups so far but i like this one the most so far this one's nice it's most relaxed hanging out yeah and today incorporating some beers absolutely absolutely Which we have and not done in a long time we have not before we move on to the beers though Go i ahead. just i just wanted to mention that although becky may look down upon you making this the first priority in the new house she's probably not surprised sure just gonna throw that in there that's true but yeah the beer it's been a long time since we've incorporated beer and as we were talking before we miss going to the breweries the local st louis breweries and any breweries for that matter, most of them are in St. Louis in our area, but there are some on the outskirts of, you know, in the wooded areas mm-hmm. of where we live and things like that. Some of the smaller towns is what I mean, not actually wooded areas. I've never actually been to a brewery where there was like, you know, only a forest surrounding us. They should though. It's, wineries do it and it's beautiful, it, beautiful yeah, country. Absolutely. But now a lot like there's a lot more winery brewery combos now too. That so is you true. do you do see that a lot. Like we have one not too far up the road from here. Good point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's another one out past that way. Mm-hmm. Big winery out there. Yeah. And they've incorporated a microbrewery out there too. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't really really sampled a lot of their brews though. I don't know if you have Crown Valley. I'm just going ahead okay. and name drop. I don't know that I've had a beer from there. I can't remember if I have or not, but now I want to. <laughs> but they don't like sell commercially, like outside of, you know, their Right. Plantation. Wait, no, wait, hang on. I think I've had one beer from there maybe. Because then, um, isn't that where they do that Frosty Brew Fest? Because we had some friends, uh, like a friend's Jeff Britton from Exit 6. Like they, they used to do that one, come down and do that Seems one. Seems like too. you might be right, but I don't know. And I think sure. I got one beer at the bar, but I couldn't tell you what it was or anything like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, why don't we just start out by talking about what you're drinking today, Colt? Urban Underdog. Urban Underdog. American Lager by Urban Chestnut, which mm-hmm. is a, a favorite of ours, for sure. Urban Chestnut has always had a stellar game in the craft brew game. They're just so good. And Urban Chestnut, I mean, because you and I were reminiscing not just too long ago about how Urban Chestnut played such an integral role in me actually diving into the craft brew scene. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, before, I'll be honest with you, I... I I don't really, I have an open mind, right? But with some things, I just kind of get stuck in my ways. And so for me, for a long time, 
beer is beer. And that meant you go get and you you go and you get a twelve pack from the gas station, mm-hmm. and it's usually of a Budweiser variant right. of some kind or another, mm-hmm. right? And for years and years since, of course, when I was drinking of, of age, you know, never I didn't drink before that. That would have been ludicrous. But for years and years and years, I it was Bud Light. It was Bud Light, and that was it. That was all. That was pretty much all I would drink, and anything else just tasted like. I didn't like it so much. It, I remember when I was probably, well, okay, I'm going to blow my little sarcastic lie out of the water. I was probably like, let's see, 17, the first time I tried a Samuel Adams, and I thought it was the nastiest shit I ever tasted in my whole life. Wasn't well, like, me and you might have talked about this not too long ago, too, but like Sam Adams, that was like the first. It's like OG. Craft beer, right? Yeah, as far as I know, it was like, he was like OG craft like different kinds of shits in his in his beer like different what was flavors one, what was the one well is it no yeah is it sam adams that puts out like the fat tire and stuff like that or no who who does that no that's it's that new belgium new belgium tire? so now they've been around for a they may be like longer like one of the longest running craft beer breweries possibly right maybe but i i remember sam adams from the, my earliest days of yeah. ever drinking beer gotcha so my my sister was house sitting very nice house and this i think they were gone for like a full week and so my older sister was house sitting this place so me and my girlfriend went over there and i would stay all night with my sister um and the guy the owner of the house had some sam adams beer well i was 17 years old i see beer i'm like okay well here we go i can't wait to drink me some beer about right now and i opened it up (laughs) i don't remember what like flavor it was what what kind it was of, of sam adams beer but I couldn't take it. Like I thought it was terrible. And so I, I put the cap back on it and twisted it up as much as I could put it back in the fridge for when the owner came back. That notwithstanding, I wasn't ready for craft beer yet. Right. And so fast forward, what that was, I was 17 fast forward 20 something years later. Is Mm -hmm. that right? Yeah, for sure. Was it, it wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't that long ago. Was it? How old was I when you brought over that urban chestnut? It wasn't that long ago, but it wasn't five years ago, six years ago. It was four, maybe. Man, okay. Because we started the podcast in 2017, right? No, so yeah, I mean, pretty close because we're in our fourth year now. And we started podcasting not too long after me and you kind of, that's right, you know, dude, started hanging out again and stuff. So anyway, 20 years later, right? I'm just not coming back around to any kind of like trying a craft beer. Like I never yeah. even, I didn't really even really know what it was. And you just so happened. I don't even know what, what compelled you, you know, what possessed you to buy me that urban chestnut uh, variety pack. Mm-hmm. And it had, I don't remember what all it had in it, but the one thing that did stick out was the, the Dunkel, the dwarf beer. I tried it and I fell in love. <laughs> it's like, I've only fallen in love a handful of times in my life. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that time was one of those times. It's like I, when I hear a romantic song, I think about me and Dwarf Beer that night. It was it was fantastic. But ever since then, I have been on this this journey with you of craft beers and just the different flavors. And, and there are still some that I don't like. Yeah. Like what, what's the really sour stuff? Are they sours? Yeah, they're <laughs> just called sours. Okay, well those I don't really care for those. And I've tried, you know, I've tried to like, because some things acquire a taste. Like mm-hmm. I didn't always like coffee. You know, I didn't always like the taste of beer. I was just trying to get to where I was going with coffee too. There, you know, there was a means to an end. Yeah. And the taste was the means. The end was either with, you know, coffee, waking up and feeling energetic. And with beer, it was getting drunk. 
Um, I'm much different with both of those things now because the the taste acquired, but there are so many good craft beers. So let me ask you, if you had one style of craft beer to call like your go-to, like your favorite, where are you going? Man, that's that's a tough question because it depends on the day. Like, are we talking like a today, like it's 60 degrees, 65 degrees outside, you're outside grilling like your favorite beer at that time? Or are we talking like during the winter when you're inside and you're, you know, you got a sweater on and sweatpants on and you're drinking or or just period across the board, what's your favorite type of beer, period? So you're talking about a Tuesday or a Wednesday? Huh? Exactly, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I know. I know it's a hard question. Yeah. It is because different beers go good with different days and that's what's so good about craft beer is because you've got the different styles that go better with different yeah. temperatures, for I would instance. say probably overall an Irish red is probably my favorite. Like, and, and I say that knowing that it's not always a go-to. Like, it's not something that I can drink all the time, but if it's just my favorite beer as far as flavors go and things like that, a good Irish Red is probably where I would say my favorite is. Interesting. Speaking of, do you still have any of that growler left? Oh, no. You finished your That's off? gone. Yeah. I, I actually, I, <laughs> so for anybody, everybody who doesn't know, we had planned on doing this a couple of nights ago and you, you ended up not being able to make it. The reason why was because I bought a growler full of Irish Red at Two Plumbers, which is another brewery in St. L- or St. Charles area. Yep. And uh, I had a growler full because they didn't. They won't. I, all I wanted was the growler. No offense to their beer or anything. I just all I wanted was the growler because uh-huh. I collect them. I think it's fun to have a growler from all the breweries you go to. It's pretty. You know, it's just my thing. Right. Anyways, well, you had to buy it filled. So I was like, all right, well, let's put some Irish Red in that bad boy and we'll take it home. So sat here for like a week and keg beer just doesn't last as long as any of his other beer, like in a can and stuff. So I told you, Hey, you know, you should come over. We'll podcast a little bit. We'll, we'll finish out that growler. So, uh, you were supposed to come over Friday. Didn't happen, but we still, or I still partake, partake. How does that word work? I would say partook. 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 That's what I would say. Uh, that, that's definitely not a word, but I'm going to use that anyways. Partook in it. And, uh, before I know it, I'm pouring that last glass and I look over and I look at my wife and I'm like, um, so remember when you said James should come over and help you finish that? I didn't need him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't at all. <laughs> Went down a little smooth that night. It did. Huh? It did. Nice, it did. Nice. But anyway, so yeah, Irish red. But you know what's funny is, you know, we've had a lot of craft beer. Um, would connoisseurs be the word? No, I guess just I guess just home brewers and uh, you know people in actually in the industry and stuff like that on the show. And uh, I was just telling the story the other day because so Jeff Huck, which was actually wasn't he our first interview on the show? Man, I think so. Yeah, I believe so. Um, which we actually went to his house and you know brewed out in the garage and mm. did everything, which is a lot of fun. And uh, he was telling me a story one time about how um, you know he's a chiropractor and one of his patients was having a wedding. And she told him, hey, I want your Irish red at our wedding. That's all I want. I was like, she's like, I don't want to do the Bud Light thing. I don't want to do this beer. I want the, I want your Irish red. And uh, he, she's like, I want you to be there to pour it for us. He's like, listen, I'm not opposed to that. I can do that. He's like, but listen, craft beer is not Bud Light. Like your, your alcohol content, your alcohol by volume is a lot higher in an Irish Red than it's going to be in a Bud Light. Mm. She's like, oh, I know, I know, no big deal. You know, everybody there, they know, you know, it'd be no big deal. He said, by 7 o'clock, people were laying on the floor, 
puking everywhere, demolishing bathrooms, everything. Like it was just insane. Because <laughs> Sounds like, like a great time. Yeah, I because, wish I'd have been invited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so I, I just it was funny to me. I started thinking about that the other day. I was like, man, people just don't understand. And you know, when you look uh we went to Schlafly beer yesterday, the bottle works. And nice you know, shirt, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. And uh they brought down the beer list because we were going to do a flight, me and my nephew. And uh, I was just looking at the alcohol by volume, you know, and it it just amazes me like how much more alcohol there is in your craft beer. Even just a basic like lager. Most of the time, it's a couple of percent higher than what you're going to get in like a Bud Light or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I know Bud Light, I know Bud Light on the can says it's like 5% ABV, but I don't. I don't buy it. I've been told by several people who have the little dealio that specific and, gravity test. Yeah, to where they can test how much alcohol is in it, and they they say that it's several percent less than what the can says it is. I believe the first person I ever heard talk about that was Jeff Huck. Yeah. So fact. so I I, want, I I was thinking about that too, and I wonder if that's because like of the higher or like um, and I don't know because I'm dumb when it comes to like <laughs> brewing beer, but sure. like if you scale, like, is there a difference between when you scale beer up? Versus scare, scaling beer down, like mm-hmm. does the ABV change based off of what you're testing at certain volumes? Volumes, yeah. mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Sure. I wonder if that's a thing. I don't know. I don't either. I also wonder if just like in the distribution process, if like you know, because craft beer you're getting pretty much directly from the source a lot, mm-hmm. uh, which that, I mean, it still doesn't make sense though. I start to say that because I was drinking, you know, an Elysian beer, um, an IPA. And um, I don't I think it's out of California, maybe. I could be wrong there, Shoot, but I, I, I believe remember. it is. But it, it does not lack in the alcohol content, the, yeah. the ABV that it says it does, you know. Yeah. And, but I know where you're going with this because you can get a 5% craft lager and it will kick your ass compared to a 5% Budweiser mm-hmm. all day long. Yeah. It, it just does. I don't know. So are they just straight up lying? I, I'm not going to call them out on that. I don't know. Right. Uh, but there's there's a difference. I agree with that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you know what causes that, what process is being, um, I don't know. Something's going on. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at well, that. Well, it's, it's, fun, it's funny because it's an interesting transition for me because I didn't, like, you – were prop me and you together were probably like we navigated the waters of craft beer in the beginning together. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have anybody else because nobody else around me drinks craft beer. They're like, that's fucking disgusting. Why are you <laughs> drinking that? Right. Um, so me and you kind of navigated the waters together, which was like perfect timing because as we got into it, then we started like podcasting with some of these guys, these uh, guys who are brewing also. Mm-hmm. So we got to taste the different things, got to learn a lot more about the brewing processes and the different types of beer and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Well, now like my nephew is getting big into craft beer. So like we did the flights yesterday on purpose because he wanted to try several, you know, several different kinds and stuff like that. And he's now in the process of like, trying to figure out like what he's tasting in beers and stuff like that. And I'm just uh-huh. sitting here like, I am so proud. You're going to be an alcoholic yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. But let me tell you <laughs> no, something that gets me right in my heart. It gets me right in my feels, but there's a difference between a craft brewer, a craft brew alcoholic than just like an alcoholic. Right. You know, because there's so much more to enjoy. Honestly, when you're drinking, I, I love, but Budweiser's my go-to like mainstream beer, mm-hmm. right? Used to be Bud Light. Let that go a long time ago. Found out there was a lot more like flavor and body in a, in a Budweiser. That's my that's my go to beer, but it is so two dimensional. 
compared to the craft beers that you can try and because you can like note the different tastes like right now i'm drinking this the devil's invention stout brewed with coffee right an absolutely amazing amazing beer and also that well this is a four hands right so four hands brewery also in st louis it is it's got this taste that i would want this in my coffee like Mm -hmm. i would want a coffee that tastes like this and it's got some different hints there. And just about every time with coffee, you can still taste some of the chocolate notes as well. And, it, of course, you can taste the alcohol in it, too. You can't get this from a mainstream beer. Like, this doesn't exist. And I guarantee you, I could go through a 12-pack of Budweiser, and I'm going to be sloshy. You know, that's going to happen. I'm not a, a crazy alcoholic drinker, you know, by any means. But if I drank 12 of these, I'd be dead. I, I would probably die, right? <laughs> Thing about this is it also does have some coffee, so it's got a little bit of that, you know, that pick-me-up too. It's got just a, a nice little balance of, of the different components that are going into this. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the coffee and you've got the beer. You don't get that anywhere else. And so someone who is getting into craft beer, I don't really, I, I don't see them, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are some people out there who are just like, fucking in the gutter and because all because of the IPAs that they drink all the time. I doubt it though. For one thing, they're more expensive Mm -hmm. for another thing. These aren't made for like mass consumption. And by that, I mean, they're not made for me to sit around and drink a 12 pack of, you know, it's just not. Well, depending like if, like if you go with like an urban underdog, a lager, I could, I could drink a 12 pack of that. Okay. You know what I mean? Just but it's a light, it's a lighter beer. But but what are you doing aside from drinking that Urban Underdog while you're drinking it though? Are you just drinking it? Like compare it to a Budweiser or a Bud Light, whatever, or Michelob, whatever it is that you would drink mainstream. Um, compare that to that, and what's the difference in the actual drinking experience? Even from a lighter, even like from a Kolsch, you know, uh, a, a craft Kolsch is very light. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a honey, um, uh, what is it? A wheat. Hefeweizen. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Because you can drink those are lighter beers. They're yeah. not. They're not going to knock you on your ass per se. But what's the difference in the actual drinking experience from that kind of a light beer versus like a Bud Light or a Mick Ultra? Well, I mean, that, that's hard. That's hard to say with like a a lighter lager, I guess. Right? Because I mean, like I've got I've got a Velvet Underbrown sitting over here right now. The flavor in that is an ungodly different than mm-hmm. what this lager is right here. For sure. So if I'm drinking that Velvet Underbrown, there's a reason for that. Like I'm looking for the taste. I'm looking for, you mm-hmm. know, looking for that. If I'm drinking a light lager, it may be a little bit higher ABV, but it's still more for like a daily, like a just a outside drinking, you know, grilling kind of a thing. Sure. You know? So I don't I don't know how I don't really know how to compare that. There's got to be there's got to be something though. There's got to be something. Why would you prefer an urban underdog over a Bud Light or a Mick Ultra? Uh, well, for one, that maybe not what you're thinking about, but like the local aspect, mm-hmm. I like I that. About that. Even though Budweiser is a local brand. Well, yeah, but I, I guess like mass consumption wise, mm-hmm. small business, small business, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess there's that, but I don't know. I I, I don't know if that's the only reason. Okay, why? I, I find even the lighter beers that are craft more enjoyable, there's still something that, that they put more, in my opinion, because it's not for mass consumption, right? Because it's not being distributed all around the world. There's a little more love into the flavor. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I know it sounds it sounds cheesy, but I, I'm serious. There's a little something to it to me. Maybe it's just because of my perceptions that it is a small business because I do want to support, you know, 
craft breweries and things like that. Maybe that adds to the love in my taste buds. Some psychological aspects there, some psychosomatic experience going on. I don't know, but I feel like it's still it still has that that flavor that you don't get from something that is mass produced. You know, yeah. there's there's some kind of, instead of being in a vat that's you know as big as this house, it's it's a vat that's as big as this room. I don't know, you know, right. whatever, whatever the difference is. And I know I just said vat. I don't know if they actually use vats <laughs> per se. This is just for you know. I doubt it, but I mean, you know, you would think. You know, if you go like to a a Schlafly or an Urban Chestnut, and you see like what their rooms look like that they brew on, because they they have to scale you know their beer up so high to make massive massive amounts. But there's other breweries out there. Like the word brewery is different for each you know each place. Like we have friends who are in a smaller brewery that still puts a pot on a burner right. to, to to make their beer. Sure, what which is what something that if I knew what the hell I was doing, I could do that in my my kitchen right now. We should talk about that. I know. We still need to probably look into it. There anyway, was there was there was a time there was a time where we were pretty close to pulling a trigger on buying a uh-huh. the whole Some set gear. the whole setup and everything. Yeah. And, but anyways, I'm fine with as of right now. I'm fine with just <laughs> buying it from the local. I think I think the first time we got the itch was the first time we talked with Jeff Huck uh-huh. was because he was showing us how to do it and it was this process and having this thing. Like and I, I believe his his Irish red was the first Irish red I've ever tried too. Yeah. By the way, but there was just this. It's like it's like waiting to have a baby. You know, <laughs> is it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> in a sense. Um, not that you drink your baby, but it's like you 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 create this thing, and with beer you have to wait for it. You can't just you know. Anytime we've had any of the the breweries, uh, the brewers from different breweries come over and podcast with us, they've always brought beer with them. But it, like, like with Scott Kurtz, when he was actually brewing beer with Jeff Huck, when they, when they were actually brewing beer, we couldn't immediately taste the fruits of that particular right. labor that was happening right then. You've got to wait for it to, to take, you know, to take its course. Mm-hmm. And so we've been fortunate. Podcasting was great for us, by the way to uh, try a lot of different craft beers sure. because mm-hmm. people, they, they, they just enjoy it. It's such a community thing. It's just a, it's then, a relationship building thing. It's so awesome. And <laughs> yeah, it that, tastes so good. That and the fact that we decided to get someone to sponsor us that was right across the street from Urban Chestnut, yeah, which was also an hour away from our house. Uh-huh. So it's like you've got time to work with when you go up there. And so there was times where we'd purposely go up there. You want to go grab a beer before You're we right. before we record? <laughs> right. hey, you want to you want to go grab another beer after we record? It's like right there. I know it was awfully convenient. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I miss that place though. I miss I miss all those places. But onward and upward. This this beer is good. I love the coffee stouts. If I were going to go to if I had to go to, it's going to be IPA for me. I'm one of those guys, and I love it. I love the dark stuff. Love it. I love this Devil's Invention. I love the, um, of course, you know, shout out to Urban Chestnut with a Dunkel with a Dorf beer. That was my first love. And I just, I really like a good dark beer. I love the Velvet Underbrown. That's good stuff. All the browns, the, the dark reds, all that is just great. There's something about an IPA. And IPAs are, they're so, there's so much variation mm-hmm. in IPAs just alone within the IPA sector of craft beers, right? right? Mm-hmm. You can get a lot of them, like I, would, I know it's not local, but I was drinking Elysian. It has such a strong citrus taste, and I'm a big fan of the citrus in the IPA. I just absolutely, it, it, it does something to me. 
but I also love like the really, really strong hops. Another funny story, not really like funny, ha ha, just interesting to me because I was there and, and it was funny to me. The very first time I tried an IPA was on accident because it was when, after you and I had already started this journey and I was up, I was traveling in business. And sometimes, you know, I'm in the motel. I grab me a six pack to, you know, just chilling out in the night uh, at the motel with nothing to do. And so I picked up this six pack of Schlafly's IPA and keep in mind, I was already venturing into craft beer at this point in time. And we're talking about IPA here. This is, you know, my, this is like, I have a love affair with IPA and I tried it and I thought who put a Christmas tree <laughs> in this freaking beer bottle and thought that I wanted to drink it to pay good money for it. 10 right. bucks for a six pack. Um, so I just, I left it alone. I didn't drink it. I, I think I tried like half a, half a bottle of beer of Schlafly's and couldn't do it. And ended up bringing that home. I guess, I think I choked it down eventually. I mean, Fast forward three years later, IPA, that's my stuff, man. Mm-hmm. It's like I love all the variants. I love the, the hoppier, the better. If the, the bigger the bite, the more that I'm into it. Right. You know, the, and the citrus, oh, my gosh, it just it does things to me. So that's another thing. Acquiring a taste for, for craft beer is something. I think it goes for just about anything that has any kind of a, a, a peculiar flavor or bite to it, something mm-hmm. like that. But I could give this this beer, which I think tastes nothing like beer, really, not really, mm-hmm. to someone who doesn't drink craft beer, and it's like, ooh, it tastes like beer. I don't get that. I don't, I don't know where they get that from. I know that was random. I'm just yeah, kind of on a flow of consciousness right now. But I get it. But I think I think that's a mindset thing a lot more than anything, because yeah. people who don't drink craft beer don't get craft beer. They don't understand. And they don't really care. A lot of people don't care to understand. I'm not saying everybody. Yeah. But a lot of people don't care to understand it. They yeah. just want to say, listen, Bud Light, that's my jam. That's right. where I'm staying. I don't yeah. care that you have a, you know, chocolate in your in your beer. It doesn't it doesn't matter to me. I'm like, but it should. <laughs> 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 because you gotta you gotta try this, right? Yeah. So I don't know. It's just there there's definitely a mindset that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Most of the people in my circle, even if they don't like craft beer or they don't really care to like craft beer, they'll try it. it, A lot of them it's hesitantly, yeah, but they'll at least, they'll at least try it. And my, my first thing is always, and I'm never, I will never start somebody out with a really hoppy IPA or anything as their first thing with craft beer for one, because I know they're not going to like it. Mm -hmm. And for two, because if I ever want them to like it, this is not the way to do it. Yeah. Like that, that's uh, the very best way for somebody for somebody to just say, I am never drinking a crap beer again. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking my Miller Lite and that's what I'm sticking with. Right. You know, so I, yeah. I just I, I think I think people will try it hesitantly, but I always just try to be flat out and say, just keep an open mind about it. Yeah. Like, don't go into it thinking I'm going to hate this or anything like that. You know, just go into it thinking. I'm going to try something, and if I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, take your time. Ease yeah, into it. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so, agree with that. Yeah. I do. So take your time. Ease into it. Um, be, uh, I've already forgotten the term now. What What is it? Uh, pleasing to easy? Or, <laughs> oh, uh, pleasy to ease? Pleasy to ease. It, it, not everybody's pleasy to ease. <laughs> and that's a... That's an inside joke now that Colt and I experienced earlier because I, my words were jumbled and I'm <laughs> stupid sometimes. But no, you, you do want to ease into 
craft beers always because it's not like I said the fir- the first time I tried Dunkel I was I was hooked I don't know what it was but I was just hooked on that but the first like I, when I tried the Sam Adams when I tried the IPA it, the, I didn't even I couldn't fathom liking the stuff right couldn't even couldn't even imagine me wanting to dive into this whole culture which is another thing and I, I do want to uh, kind of transition here in a moment but the culture of craft beer. And the scene, I think, has also shifted to where more people, it's more inclusive than what it used to be. And people who don't know that, though, still think of the culture as, you know, just strictly your hipster type of culture or something like that. um, that Which it's definitely there. It is. It's there. And and it's, I mean, it's kind of like one of the foundational elements, I guess. The uh, fundamental beginnings, the origins of, of how that culture even started. But you could go up to a craft brewery. And there's all kinds of people. Yeah, for sure. There's all kinds of people. And mm-hmm. all kinds of people love craft beers. People that you wouldn't have even thought of, you know, 10 years ago, especially, I guess. And now they do because it's, you know, it's it's inclusive. You know, it's just, it's a fun time. You go up there, you can play games, you get different, you know. And I love going up to uh, Urban Chestnut and just seeing all the freaking taps, mm-hmm. you know, of the different beers that you can try. It's like... I don't have enough time or liver to experience all right. of this goodness, but I wish that I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, we've talked about that several times. It's like, you know, we live down in the woods and there's there's a few breweries here and there, but it's still a pretty good drive if you're going to get to them, you know. But we would be in so much trouble if we lived like in St. Louis where there's, str- you know, streets and streets with breweries on them and you, you that are just an Uber call away. Yeah. I mean... I really like that idea though of like having like, okay, I don't really have much going on on Sundays. So I'm just going to take an Uber down to the craft brewery. And, you know, a lot of these craft breweries have like just walls and walls full of like board games mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff too. And just spend my Sunday drinking and, you know, playing some board games and whatnot. Right. You know, that's like, that's like Zen, right? Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, I've been using that word so much lately and I don't know why. It just, like i don't even know what it means to me (laughs) i don't it's just like okay i guess like life is so hectic all the time but it's like every once in a while you just have like a moment yeah where it's just like all right all that's gone for a second Mm -hmm. and you're right here yeah right now and that's what i take i guess from zen well i think you pretty much you hit the nail on the head there but it, it's, you know, and we could get into the actual definition of what Zen, you know, its origins and where it comes from and all that good stuff. But it's your happy spot. It's yeah. your happy place. Yeah. And I use Zen. I don't think I use it like overbearingly, but I use it, you know, when I feel like it's appropriate for like, I, I, I often say that the gym is my place of Zen. It, it's like I, I go there and I experience anger in my life. And oftentimes I don't have a great outlet for like releasing that anger. But I can go to the gym and there it is because I can I can take it out on the weights, you know, I can take it out on even the cardio, whatever. I can exert my energy and and make that make the bad come out and turn it into a positive, right? Because the energy is coming out, it's it's angry, it's forceful, but I can force those weights up and and, you know, and, and I can push myself. And then after that, there's some there's some net positive results because I've done that physical exertion, right? I'm building muscle, I'm I'm releasing stress, all that stuff kind of, you know, so it's my place of Zen. Um, other places of Zen that I have, like you, it would include a brewery. Like going up there, it's just such a happy place to be, you know. It's just such well, a nice time. You've well, got like, the beers, you've got the games, you've got the, the ambiance, the energy. I just love it. 
like I, I wouldn't consider myself like a full out introvert, but kind of an introvert. Mm-hmm. And I've just kind of, I guess maybe over like the last past five to 10 years, I've kind of become more of that. I mean, that's just because I don't go out to the bars and stuff like that anymore. I just, I would rather, I'd rather drink a six pack at home and, you know, hang out at home versus doing that. Um, but like Zen to me is always seems to like, if I ever consciously think about this is Zen, it's like if I'm by myself and I, I think the last, last time I like really thought about that for some reason was I was outside grilling. So the grill's going with steaks on it and burgers on it and everything. I had a glass of uh, tequila sitting sitting beside the grill, and I'm just listening to like squirrels going, mm-hmm. you know, burying in the leaves and birds and stuff like that out in the woods. But nothing else is like physically going on around me. It's just I'm there and yeah. this is happening, and but nothing's happening, right? So and I just I remember physically just sitting there like looking around like whoa, yeah, this is. You, it. Be, you become one in the moment. Yeah. And I think it's another thing. It's becoming one is, is a thing that's uh, connected to being in a, in a moment of Zen, at least, if not in your place of Zen, which, you know, that's kind of interchangeable. But you become mindful is yeah. what you did just there. Yeah. You become mindful of, of the present moment in your surroundings. And you realize that you're on this particular spot in this gigantic freaking universe that we're in. On this big planet, you're in this one spot right now, and you just you just kind of take like stock of it all. You're just like, wow, squirrels, right? Grill, tequila. You know, you might notice your 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 breathing patterns or how you feel. You might notice an itch on your foot. You might. It doesn't matter at that point in time. Everything sparks curiosity right. in being alive and being in this moment. It's like it's a magical thing. Like mm-hmm. when you think about it, that rock that's laying out there has been there for thousands upon thousands of millions of years whatever but it doesn't experience the same um the same conscious uh just experience of being in that moment like you or i do right you know mm-hmm. it's just an amazing thing to be able to experience and um that's definitely a, a moment of zen that you experience there i would say right that's uh especially with the grill Sounds great. <laughs> I think we're going to do that here before long. I can't wait. Mindfulness is you know I know we've talked about that a lot on the on the show and um it's such a useful tool though. It really is to find those places of Zen. Like sometimes I was talking about in the gym earlier, sometimes I become mindful of that moment. And and even though I'm like driving, it's kind of a, I may have something heavy, you know, in in the headphones and the earbuds, it might be something like Slipknot or, you know, at least some static X something. And I'm just, I'm driving out that anger, but I become wanted with myself in that moment, being curious of the anger, being curious of, where I'm at in, in this place and what I'm doing and and what even maybe the results are in more of the, the present sense, you know, the, the rush of adrenaline, you know, and the endorphins and, and, and my, I'm getting swollen. Like literally I can, I can see and feel myself being swollen by the, the effort that I'm pushing forth. I become mindful of that moment. And I appreciate that moment so much because and that's what I talk about when we can harness things like anger when we can harness it and use it as a tool towards something that's productive, it's no different than harnessing happiness or, or freaking even peacefulness out outside with nature. Um, being able to harness those things is such a useful tool and mindfulness is a way to kind of align everything that that's going on in that moment so that we can productively uh, come to some kind of an outcome that is beneficial and 
not just beneficial like for your muscles, but beneficial for your mind right. just to take it in. Cause you've only got one life to live. And so the more that you could be mindful and realize that the, the better off you're going to be, I think. Yeah. And nature is a fantastic place to find your Zen. Right. Fantastic. Cause I'm not really a hunter, you know, I, I, I hunt here and there. I would like to be more of a hunter just for the, I just want the, the skills in case all shit does really hit the fan. And I need that skill in order to feed my family. Um, which I, I can hunt well enough to do that, but uh, you know, to be a really skillful hunter, you know, you, you got to practice at it. You got to stay up on your game. Same with fishing. I love fishing though. Absolutely love it, but I'm mostly a catch and release. But if I need to feed my family on fish, which I hate fish, by the way, it's going to suck, but at least I'll <laughs> stay alive. Um, I, I can do that, but just being out in nature in those times, being able to be at one and understand your surroundings and listen to the squirrels because, most of the time when I've ever went deer hunting, there's like 10,000 squirrels that will not shut up, mm-hmm. right? They won't stop. But if I, if, if I ever go squirrel hunting, silence. Right. Of course. Bastards. I don't know how they do uh-huh. it. They just know. It's crazy how loud, like, if you're in the woods, like right now, I can walk out my front door and if I listen around, I would think a squirrel is a deer because yes. of how loud they are. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy. But the other day... So I've got in my kitchen, there's a window that just a smaller window that looks out into the backyard and I'm doing dishes. So I got, got a sink. If anybody's watching on video, I've got a sink here. The window's right above the sink. And then to the right, I've got my dishwasher. So I'm just uh, taking stuff out of the sink, putting it in the dishwasher, you know? And at one point I just happened to look up and I'm, I've got like music going on my phone and stuff too. So I'm like kind of rocking out while I'm doing dishes and stuff. And, uh, I put a dish in the dishwasher and I stand up. And I just happened to look out the window and there's a deer staring me straight in the eyes. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I about pissed my pants. I was like, whoa, there's a horse out back. What is going on? How, right. Where'd that come from? And there was three of them back there. They were just hanging out. Mm-hmm. And I, it was weird too. Cause I was like, my first instinct was to grab my phone. Cause I wanted to take a picture of it. And he's just standing like staring at me. And I'm just thinking, does he really see me or not? But like, I, so I was like being very slow about it. Like I'm in my house. But, and he's outside my house, but I'm being like very slow about it to like grab my phone and then bring it over and then try to take a picture of him. I don't know. It was just, it was just a weird, it was a weird moment. He's scared. He's scared to live and piss out of me. <laughs> You've got a lot of deer around here. I do. Every time I drive out here, I mean, they're constantly just cross the road or just looking at you at the side. It just, mm-hmm. there's deer everywhere out here. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say exactly where we're at because next thing you know, all these hunters will come and start <laughs> poaching all these deer. There's a lot of them out here and I don't, I don't like deer. I hate them. Not because I don't, you know, they're, they're, they're a gentle animal for the most part, but they're all over the roads and man, they create havoc out there. Yeah. They, I mean, though, they're terrible when you're driving. That's a, oh, that's a, that's a weird, you know, I, I don't hunt. I've never hunted. Um, not by preference or that I care that it bothers me that people hunt. It's yeah. just a matter of, I just didn't grow up in a family that, that like a close family, that hunts or anything like that. So I just never did it. Yeah. But I got friends and stuff that do it. And I just, I hear their stories of, of deer, you know, deer hunting and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, hunting is a weird thing to me because I can't get over the mindset of, okay, so you're going to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars a year. You're going to spend effort to go out and set up a stand and set up this, that, and the other to, to try to bring the deer in. And then you're going to go out and you're going to freeze your balls off (laughs) for however long you want to be out there. And then there's a chance you won't see anything or there's a chance that you will see one and then you shoot at it and there's a chance you miss it and you wasted all that time for all of that. 
okay, so for one, I hate the cold. Mm-hmm. Cold sucks. I don't have patience at all. It's gone. I don't know where it went, but it's not here anymore. And it does just doesn't seem like it's on my out. Now, I would I would be okay to like go with someone like if they're hunting and just to kind of like be a bystander, just like hang out and watch just for the fun of it. But it's just not my I don't think it's my gig. Yeah. I will eat deer all day long though. And that's what it comes down to. Like if you really wanna Yeah. The brass tax is yeah. getting that meat. Mm-hmm. That's where the hundreds of dollars comes in because it is a hobby too. Like you're gonna spend you're gonna spend your money to some degree on something that you enjoy. And a lot of people really, really enjoy hunting. I wouldn't say that I really, really enjoy hunting, like to where I would be like, this is like the where I have a lot of fun. But to get that deer, like the the to reap the benefits of that, to have that in your in your uh, freezer, is and, and you're 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 spending a lot of money as you so you know so rightfully pointed out is that you're spending hundreds of dollars, and at some point in time, does your expenditures outweigh the actual meat that you're getting, especially at first probably until you really get good and you know you you already have all your gear. Like if you have to go out and buy a gun this year, you got to buy all your all your your clothing gear and so on and so forth. Then yeah, you're going to be spending a lot more money than what you're going to get from the meat or what you're going to save from the meat. But it's cleaner meat, you know. For one thing, you don't go and buy deer at the store, but it's like having a cow in your yard as opposed to having to go to Walmart to buy beef that comes from God knows where, right? right? Mm-hmm. So you're getting cleaner meat in general. Period. And the meat that you're, you're that you know the times that you're you're cooking deer, that's the times you're not going to buy meat at Walmart, right? And so you're saving the money back there as well. Right. So so it's 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 working itself out. And plus, it, there is the the survival rush of it. Like when you shoot something, you get that adrenaline rush. Right. You know, and I, I'm not a big fan of killing things. I'm not. I don't know if I've told the story on this podcast, but I was squirrel hunting one time and. I shot a squirrel, and this squirrel had the biggest balls on him that I've ever seen <laughs> on any squirrel on the planet. I mean, they were huge. It looked like dog balls. <laughs> and I felt so bad. Not because I killed a squirrel, because they were going to eat it. I'm not really eating squirrel. I, I will if I, if I need to, but I don't need to. I don't think it's, the, you know, it's just it's, it's kind of greasy, and there's not much to it. But who I was with, they were we were out shooting for them because they were going to eat squirrel that night. So that's, that's fine. I shot that. I didn't know. I couldn't see his balls from because I shot him. It was a good shot. <laughs> it was it was a great shot. I was uh, at least, and we're talking like with a with a shotgun um, for a squirrel. I was at least. I don't. I don't want to say. I was a long ways away for that shot, and I dropped him. Just bam, and I went and got him, and I picked him up, and his balls were just dangling. And I thought, <laughs> man, I killed the stud of this sector of maybe even the state. <laughs> It's like this guy was impregnating every squirrel within at least a hundred mile radius, <laughs> judging by the size of his package. That's why I felt bad. But my point was, I don't really feel good about killing animals. When you got to go up and you got to slit a deer's throat because it's you know it's suffering and you want it to bleed out, that's that's where you really got to be in touch with like the survival part. But there's a benefit to that. Mm-hmm. Coming circling back around to the main point. There's a benefit to that that survival need. So it's not just about the meat. It's not just about the hobby. It's about like knowing that you can like fend for yourself and for your family if shit hits the fan. Right. And I see this the same way as gardening. You know, 
gardening is not the it's some people enjoy it i don't necessarily really enjoy it. i like seeing the babies come up you know and then knowing that you're going to eat the fruits of those babies mm-hmm. um that that's a good feeling but it's that survival that need to perpetuate like yourself and, and your family to, to know that you you can do that and that you're doing that so when you when you have a plate of food on your table and you know that's your kill and that's your vegetables that you grew and everything was like from what you did mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a pretty powerful experience in and of itself, especially if you're utilizing mindfulness in that moment as well. It's pretty powerful to know that you can produce what it takes because back in the day, that's what had to be done. Right. right? You didn't have a you didn't have a Walmart to go and shop at. You didn't have, you know, Country Mart or you didn't have even a freaking uh, what do you call it? the fruit stand place, the vegetable places, uh, mar- farmers markets. Mm-hmm. You didn't have those. You couldn't just go and say, yeah, I need two potatoes and maybe a couple of those peppers. If you didn't grow it yourself, if you didn't kill it yourself, you weren't eating. Right. You know, so there's a there's also that evolutionary knowledge, that understanding that if you can't fend for yourself at the end of the day, when when shit really does hit the fan, there's going to be nobody left to help you. And True. so I think I think that's one of the that's probably the most powerful point for me in, in all of that. And I think even even people who simply use it as a hobby or simply use it as, you know, they cause I know some people who just like to kill stuff. They do. Yeah, but I think that's also maybe just a byproduct of the evolutionary understanding that you have to do this. You know, it, it's just it's it's the modern materialization of the same concept. They're just you know skewed in different ways. But it's also like how you grew up, though, right? Like like me, I don't really feel that obligation because I wasn't raised doing that. Do some? Do you think there's people out there who, even though they weren't raised hunting? Or they never really hunted; they still somehow feel an obligation to do that. I, I, well, I think so. I think probably. I think it's within all of us. Really, I, I really do. And it, how it surfaces might be of a, a different topic of conversation. It would take a little bit of thinking to really dive into that. But I think the human being has the same compulsion to um, perpetuate and to survive in some way or another. You know, and so for some people, that I mean, that might be why some people rob other people because they they feel that need to survive and and to to fend but yet they don't have the rudimentary skills of growing their own food right you know or maybe it's environmental it's the same reason they don't have a plot or they don't have the access to animals the wildlife and so they have to go and they have to rob somebody else so i think there's and that's just one example off the top of my head there's all kinds of ways that things like that can surface within us and within our personalities that if you really, really dug into it and traced its origins, you'd find that it comes from that survival need, an instinct. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, yeah. I really didn't grow up like that either. My dad, he was, uh, you know, he was uh, a minister. He was, and he hated killing animals, but he grew up hunting. You know, my my family was, they were hunters. That's what they did. Saw millers and hunters and, you know, preachers on top of that. But he had this, he still had the instinct and he wanted me to know how to because of the same you know, reasons why I'm telling you that I feel like it, it's a necessary thing for the survival thing. It, it just, it's it, if you want clean meat, you got to go out and get it yourself because Walmart's not going to give you the clean meat, even right. though they slap a guaranteed sticker on there. Um, that means jack. You know, if you want the clean stuff yourself, you got to go out and you got to get it because right. nobody's going to do it for you. No, right. That was basically his message to me, even though he hated to kill an animal when you when you kill an animal and you see it dying you know that's that's a hard time that's where you've really got to for me it's where you really get down to to brass tacks you're like man 
I don't really like this. Yeah. You know, to see the animal's life leaving them. And, and so you, you try to have some mercy on it and kill it a little more quickly. But that's you actually hand-to-hand right. really killing something. It's a different level of, I'm going to eat you. I'm going to eat your meat. Huh. Die. Hurry up and die so I can quit <laughs> feeling bad about this shit. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> Doing a, giving a deer a triangle choke out in the woods. <laughs> I, I have a story about that. Not, it's, it, it's secondhand stories, so... I'm not going to talk about it, but I have a buddy. He, he was a maniac. Oh, Joey. I miss Joey. But he, uh, yeah, he went out and he had to wrestle down a deer and choke him out because the deer wouldn't die. And I had to actually physically, yeah, take care of business. Huh. Um, he was a crazy dude, though. Sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> he was hungry for deer. <laughs> anyway, man, we've, this craft beer conversation really kind of took off. And yeah, it did. Go figure, right? Yeah. So, Where are we at right now? I can't I see all the way over there, but we have been coming close to an hour. Well, do we have a, uh, this is we've been recording for 50 minutes. Yeah. So, you know, getting up there. So, you want to do, you want to take, you have any more topics you want to go over? You want to just roll what well, we got? I mean, right now, if we go over another topic, we're going to be going way over. Yeah, because Lord knows we don't stop. <laughs> It just know, happens. Right? This was supposed to be our opening topic. <laughs> this, wasn't even supposed, this wasn't even supposed to be a topic. You just, no, I know. We had topics lined up, and then you just said, well, what should we talk about to get things going? Right. And we definitely did that. Craft beer? That sounds like a good one, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, 45 minutes later, we're still talking about craft beer. But here's the thing. At least we made it through the podcast, and I think this is going to be usable. Because a think lot so, of times yes. Yes. when yes. we start off with craft beer... We've had, I can't even tell you how many episodes we've had where we couldn't quite use it because it was terrible. Yes. And, you know, some of them we thought maybe we could, we could salvage it. And then we go back and listen. We're like, no, that's not, (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen. And then some of them we just like stop recording midway through because we're like, you, you, like you get it, right? Like this is bad. Uh, Yeah. Like you've slurred your words for the last fifteen minutes, uh-huh, right. and I mean we we've been there. It's but it's uh, it's been fun regardless. It, it's always in good fun, and it's still good practice because that way we also know not to get too wasted. Like we mentioned earlier, we've had podcasts with several brewers, several, and almost every time they bring beer for us to try. I remember what was his name? We met at the Monocle, our you know former uh, um, advert uh, sponsor of uh, ours. Mom, 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 mom. Come on. He's the heavy riff. Uh, yeah, J- heavy um, riff. J- uh, Jared Saffel. Yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yes. He brought so much he did. craft beer for us to try. And, and he said, I can't take it home. I, he's like, I don't want to take any of this back. Uh-huh. And he had this these huge containers, and he had like six of them. Uh-huh. And I remember you and I looked at each other when he brought them, because we always like to sample. I'm always, you know, it's... You know, at least kind of quietly hoping that these brewers, they, they want us to try their stuff, right? Right. Of course. But he brought like this freaking massive amount of craft beer and he said he did not want to take any of it home. And we finished off those several, I, I think it was probably five or six and of those big containers. And we're like, uh, okay, so you realize your home is like five minutes away. Yes. Our home is over an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have to still make it there somehow. Dude, and yet we kept drinking. <laughs> no, we did But it, it was good stuff, man. That was that was. The, the fruits of our labor, you know, the benefits of, of podcasting. But um, we, we made it, though. And that was a usable podcast. Yeah, for I, sure. I think because we had someone else there, a third party, it kind of helped keep us on our game and uh, kind of helped keep the conversation going. When it's just me and you, sometimes we get off track. Well, we start uh, late sometimes. That's true, too. That's the problem. Yeah. Like, even 
even sober us, if we say we're going to start at 4 p.m., we normally don't start to like 530 mm-hmm. just because we get to talking or whatever beforehand. Right. And then we're normally mad because we talked about a lot of stuff that we should have said on the show. Right. Which is funny because that's the roots of the show is like the sh- the, be- the beginning of the show is because we were like, well, listen, we talk all the time about stuff that maybe people are interested in hearing. Uh-huh. So let's just put a microphone in front of our face and do it. Right. Okay. So then we get together and we're like together for an hour and a half planning on recording, but we talk about everything for an hour and a half before <laughs> I, that. I know. And then we get back on the show and we don't really want to talk so much about that stuff because we already uh, did it. I know. And it doesn't feel natural anymore because we already talked about it 45 minutes ago. Right. So it's, yeah, we we just don't know how to do things. Was, <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. We also, uh, we were talking earlier today because we had a topic. It's a great topic. We're going to hit it up again. I just don't feel like we can give it the, the mm-hmm. appropriate amount of time today. But, you know, we were talking pre-show because we do like to do a little bit of a warm-up mm-hmm. but i've always been a big proponent of hitting record during the warm-up because so much stuff comes out i could splice it in or we could use it for extra or something because mm-hmm. there's a lot of gold that comes out from our warm-up imo right and mm-hmm. it's in my opinion but we were talking earlier and, and that that was when we were talking about music we we're talking about i don't know you were talking about chevelle and and all that i was sitting there listening i was like it's good it's good stuff but damn i wish we had been recording this right mm-hmm. now but you know it's, it's okay. We yeah. we live and learn, and we I think we still have good conversations. Hopefully, people enjoy listening to these little segments in between our guests, because mm-hmm. um, I still want to. I, I just still love the variety of the the CEP. So mm-hmm. we'll just keep. I don't know what that was. I, my phone. Yeah, my phone. Oh, cool. So anyway, all right. Well, good stuff, man. Yeah. And we will continue on with maybe our main topic next week. Maybe we'll try. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> See how that goes. Yep. So be thinking more about it because yep. uh, I know I will. Absolutely. All right. All right. Bye. See ya. And we are out. Hey, I like how you looked at the camera this time. Last time you looked over there and waved. <laughs> I was like, what do you do? You and Bye, Brian. everybody. You and Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Thanks again to you, the CEP listener. Remember that word of mouth feels like convincing someone to drink a craft beer, and they actually like it for us. So don't forget to tell your friends and fam about the great variety that you hear right here on the CEP. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you consume the podcast that you love so much so that you can keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with the automaticity. Also on that note, when you go to Apple Podcasts, it would help us immensely if you would give us a five-star rating while you are there to show your love for the CEP. And speaking of love, we love it when you give us all of your love on the socials, when in fact you do give us all of your love on the socials. So be sure to give us all of your love on the socials and be sure to visit the new and improved launching pad for all things cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, if you need to contact us, you can do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Don't forget to pick up all of your official CEP merch at buyjack.com slash CEP. And that's all I've got, folks. So until next time, be sure to keep those big, beautiful brains of yours nice and warm out there. See ya.